Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Jim Telford. We talked about what he wants to do. He's a vintage collector. We share an interest in Roberto Clemente. You may remember him from the hobby content conversation a year and a half ago with several other guys. He mentioned he was getting ready to start a YouTube channel, which I wholeheartedly encourage. He's a sharp guy. I know he'll have something to say. So this is our conversation about that. His main vocation is he has wine bars and restaurants in California. I told him to lean into the wine thing. And then there was a, a shout out late in the episode to my wonderful wife, who has been my biggest encourager, which I think is really important. If you're going to start a YouTube or a podcast or something, you need somebody in your corner. So tomorrow's my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Diane. Many, many more for, for both of us. But it's not true that my present for you is 250 more podcast episodes. I have something else nicer. Thanks, everybody. Here's Jim Telford discussing how that could come about. I've left the hobby probably. I started collecting in the mid-70s and went all the way up to about 2000. And in 2000, I really had switched my emphasis to the wine industry. So from about 2000 to 2010, 11, after I had my first child, I was not involved with uh, sports cards at all. But during the pandemic, it allowed me to drill down even more. I discovered your podcast and a number of other podcasts along with YouTube channels. I had been perusing YouTube channels for years, not necessarily participating, but just viewing them from time to time. That was, for the most part, what inspired me to get started again. That and just being involved and getting more passionate and more immersive, especially with a hobby I could share with my son. And that helped out quite a bit. So what is it that you want to do now? What is the next chapter for you? I think with this right now, we own restaurants and wine bars and whatnot. So this is just purely something I'm passionate about. You can't say say whatnot anymore. You just (laughs) told me you owned owned whatnot. (laughs) I've gone from card collecting uh, as a kid and then working in the industry in the late 80s and doing shows in the late 80s and early 90s. Eventually, I became a seller at the late 80s, and that's parlayed itself into, instead of me collecting cards, I allocated my resources towards actually purchasing wine instead of cards. And so it's ironic somewhat to me that I pay my mortgage and my bills and support my family through the wine industry with our restaurants, but now I'm not so passionate about wine anymore. And I think that's a natural progression. I think somewhat, I don't know if you had a similar. No, I mean, if if your hobby turns into a business, take some of the fun out of it. Exactly. It becomes a job, not a chore because you love the people you're working with. You love what you're working on. You don't hate wine or anything, but there's just a lot of stuff that goes with it. Yeah, for sure. For me personally, the pandemic allowed me to get back down into it and share my passion with my son, a way for us to connect and bond over that. And he was collecting a lot of the modern cards and I was out collecting cards with him for that. But it came to a point where I started pulling my cards out and then he was discovering my collection and he was like pretty blown away. And he was like, why haven't you shared this with me previously? It's very similar to wine in that a lot of people could just enjoy a glass of wine and that's it. But then there's some, a smaller group of, they're not wine snobs, but they just really appreciate a better glass of wine. They're willing to pay a little bit more and they can taste the difference. And no, so for sure. you're, you definitely have a refined taste in cards. 
And I'm sure you have a refined taste in wine and food. So what's your niche going to be? Where are you in the process here? It sounds like you've got some ideas. Yeah. The show that I'm going to do is called Card Throwdown. And there's definitely an emphasis on vintage, but I don't want to tell modern collectors to move along. But if they're looking for parallels and refractors and they want to discover manufactured scarcity, that's they're not going to find that there. I think card collecting has a tendency to be a reclusive hobby at some point. I don't have a ton of my friends, I imagine, in the neighborhood or friends of mine that some know that I'm very passionate about sports cards, but others do not. And I wanted an outlet to share. It was very important for me. History is a very something I'm very passionate about. Yeah. And I wanted a way to educate the modern collectors, not necessarily steer them towards the vintage, but to say, hey, this is an option for you. Have you ever considered this? And I think that educating and entertaining as well as card throwdown in general, the format I would like to have is fun, spirited debate where we discuss cards from the past and decade and why one set should be more appreciated than another. It's more along the lines of almost like a sports bar. See, now you're talking, anytime you can merge things you've done in your past, put your passions together. That sounds cool. I guess you're thinking YouTube. Because yeah, I was thinking YouTube a, a, a visual component. Yeah, that's a bit frustrating for me because I would like to also do the podcast, but I don't think that will be able to convey or articulate my thoughts as well. You can do both. Mike Moynihan, for example, another guy you should listen to, he does both. He'll have a podcast, but he'll also have his YouTube channel. But I think deep down, you've got to have a primary. My YouTube is just an afterthought, not putting video there, just the voiceover. And so I don't get a lot of traffic on YouTube, but it's there for people that want that. I get a lot of comments from it, but I don't get a lot of downloads or listens. Primary is YouTube. You can basically just take the audio and post it to a podcast. It's very little work. It's the audio track. But the preferred way is to do the video and to watch on the YouTube channel. And it's easy to subscribe there and all that and easy to comment. I think it's easier to build a sense of community on YouTube. So if YouTube is your primary, then that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, YouTube would be the primary vehicle. I would like to do podcast along with it. It sounds like it would be, as you're saying, it's fairly seamless. I'm saying the podcast can be the audio track of your thing. Mike Moynihan has done that and other people. Jeremy Lee does that too for Sports Cards Live. So if you're watching, you get the full thing. If you're listening later on the podcast track, he's going to mention, oh, for your podcast, you're not going to be able to see this. But if you go to the YouTube, you can see the visuals. The stories you can tell just from your experience within the industry and the people that you know and your experiences as far as origin stories and chronicling through those years, I would prefer this to be more along the lines of just because I don't have that breadth and depth of knowledge that you have as far as that history going back 50 years. But I think with this, I want it to be a bit playful, not argumentative, just more spirited. I think your, your ethos is this upscale bar. Just lean into that. So what is it? Cheers. It actually could be cheers, but it's not huge. I think you could build a real tight community there. Uh, Because already you've expressed, you don't want to necessarily be something for everybody. You're not going to tell people to leave. They're going to gravitate toward you. They're going to tell their friends when their friends are interested. I really think you probably should get into the father-son aspect too. And that's not necessarily how do you merge that in with the upscale bar concept. 
Yeah, it's a very niche audience for the most part. I'm not looking to get rich off of this YouTube channel or anything. It's just more along the lines of an outlet where I can communicate and uh, develop relationships with other passionate vintage collectors, people that share my passion, people that might gravitate or be curious about vintage that might be coming from modern, transitioning over. I think that might be more of a natural progression. You're having goals. Goals need to be achievable. And I think those goals are achievable. They're not depending on other people. They're depending on how you want to position yourself. Right. Financial goals, that's out of your control anyway. Sure. No, uh, so what you're trying to do sounds good. It'll find an audience. And they always say, just get started. Just start uh, doing I will say this, the audio, I feel like I can get away with substandard audio in a variety of the episodes, some of them where I'm at a show or something. And so the audio is not always great. Video though is a little trickier. Whether you're going to have studio quality, it depends on what your trademark is going to be, how you want to position yourself. Yeah. Uh, I've already obtained all the equipment for okay. the production. And I've got the space for it as well. Do you have a teammate? Is your son going to be involved? Or That, that was going to be one of my questions I was going to ask you as far as one of the things. And, you know, first of all, Jeremy Lee and Mike Moynihan, especially Mike Moynihan has been probably, I would say, Mike, Dave Berg, Blue Jacket 66. I would definitely say that the guys like John Mangini, those three are the Hall guys. That, They're Hall of Famers for absolutely. what you're trying to do. Yeah, And uh, now there's a, a number of other people on there as well. I definitely listen to George Diamond Yard Sports Cars and Don Field of Dreams and even what Dustin Cooley's doing over at Sport. I love that he's so passionate about what he's doing and just getting, trying to expose people to the hobby. And I think it's great that he just picked up and ran with it. You noticed that when cards were going up every month, he was the personal finance dad. And when cards <laughs> right. leveled off, he'd be kind of... Let me pivot to this name change here real quick. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I understand why he wanted to hedge that. Yeah, no, I was um, talking but, about that right away. Yeah, no, but I definitely want to place the emphasis on collecting. And that's what I think I, I genuinely appreciate about guys like uh, Mike Moynihan, Dave Burke, John Mangini. They don't have an agenda and I'm not going to have an agenda either. I understand that sponsors come out of the woodwork and they're like, hey, would you promote this product, but I'm going to be very selective with stuff like that. They're great guys and they really enjoy what they're doing. They would do it regardless. But to me, again, I would lean into the wine analogies. I've had thought of doing a wine versus cards episode. I was yeah. Gary Vanderchuk to do it, Oh yeah. but I, I hadn't made contact with him. I thought, Gary, you made your claim to fame in wine and uh, cataloging wine and commenting on wine. But the thing is, most people just drink wine and they drink nice wine. But in the stratosphere, this Chateau Lafitte Rothschild cabs from before you were born, that's in the stratosphere. Most people don't play there. So right. again, you've got, you're just like your audience in your wine bar or your restaurant, there's a limit to what people, when I go to some nice restaurant, it just takes my breath away. You could never say, hey, I'll take a bottle of your finest, whatever you could clobber. I think there's some parallels there. Where more people that enjoy wine than make a living off wine? Sure. Probably trying to help people yeah. enjoy wine more, enjoy cards more. Yeah. You could be interviewing people that are pros. Uh, right. I love interviewing other podcasters. That's been a lot of fun for me. You mentioned these other guys, the Mangini and Dave, the Blue Jacket and Mike Moynihan. Those guys, it's a little fraternity. And they won't be jealous of your success. They'll be excited about your success. Because no. you you can't copy them anyway because they're not you and you're not them. 
going back to your question, would I want to co-host my son be involved? He would definitely be involved in some capacity from time to time, not all the time. But I think that would be a great way to try to get kids more involved in, in some way, shape or form. But I was going to ask you, if, at this point, if you would have liked to have had a co-host, someone, I don't know, like a Rich Klein or someone that would share the burden of responsibility. No, so, I actually wouldn't. I'm not sure how old your son is, but the younger generation isn't always as enamored of job titles. So I don't know that you have to be real explicit. But if your son is on the team or he's part of what you're doing and he uh, does some different things without putting a label on him, maybe one day he's a guest, one day he's a co-host, one day he's filming you, any number of things and just see what he likes. But I really appreciated right from the beginning the flexibility to have Rich on when I wanted to. Rich will never say no. He eats it, sleeps it, breathes it as well. But there's so many others. And sometimes I just wanted to pontificate. So I don't think there's a right answer, but I got into make a brand promise that I've backed off on because I was doing seven days a week there for a while, or I'm doing two on Saturday, but I was doing seven a week. And I thought, you know what? I don't think I want to do that anymore. And I don't want to be a quitter, but I think I'm going to have more longevity and more fun if I just say, you know what? <laughs> I retired. I'm allowed to work Monday through Friday. Plus, did I say I was retired? Yeah, and do an occasional special episode if something comes up. When I started, I just mentioned I was going to try to do a thousand episodes. And Diane, my lovely wife, just says, don't be telling them what you're going to do. Just do it. So that's my intention too. But I wanted to let them know that I wasn't just going to jump in and jump out. But I will say this, and this is happy for me, but most people say, hey, we want more rich. They don't say we want more Jim, and that's okay, but they love that dynamic, and that's unique. But if I did every day with Rich, I don't know that would be as much fun for him or for me. So when we do it, he came over a couple days ago. We sorted some cards, we talked about stuff, and then we turned on the microphone, and we did a number of episodes that'll sprinkle out over the next couple of weeks. Very cool. But if I put a label on Rich, it's like Hobby Hotline, different co-hosts every week, different chemistry. And that chemistry, I think is good. Not that you need permission, but I don't think there have to be any rules. Whether you're on location and you don't use your equipment, you can do what you want to do. The man 